Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us at Centerpoint Church. How's everyone today? Wonderful. If you're watching online, I want to say welcome. We're so glad that you are here today. My name is James. I'm the Next Gen Teaching Pastor and excited to be in this message with you. We're in a series right now called Throwback. How many of you guys have been or watched at least one of the messages in the last few weeks? Uh, if you're online, you could put the emoji hand or you could you know, leave a comment or share it with us. But we're, um, we're continuing in this series where we're looking at the fruits of the Spirit. And we're, we're sort of calling each other higher. We're calling each other back to what it is of, of not just um, personal traits, but, but a person and his traits, right? And so we're going to be reading uh, just a verse. And you guys are familiar with this because we've read it every single week. Um, but I'm going to put it on the screens and it'll be right here for you. And why don't you just say this out loud in your living room or wherever you're watching this or right here in person. It is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 that says this. Everyone out loud together. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And today, church, we're going to be talking about patience today. We're going to be talking about patience. And, uh, and so if, if you want a working title, if you're somebody who likes to take notes, the title today is How to Be Patient. How to be patient. And so how many of you know that when the Lord says that you're going to be working on a message called patience, he's going to test your patience. And uh, it's been a great week this week. I say that with a smile on my face, which tells you that God is still good and he's still on the throne. But, um, but before we dive into the message, why don't we pray together right now and let's turn our heart and our attention onto the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God and that you lead us into good things. We thank you, Lord, that your promises are yes and amen. God, we believe that anything good can happen in the next half hour, Lord. We believe, God, that lives will be touched, that dead things will come to life. We believe, God, that impatient people will cross over the bridge into patient people. We thank you, Father, Lord, that you are doing a new thing in people's lives, and will we perceive it? Yes and amen. God, we thank you, Lord, that even right now there is salvation that is accessible today to the unbeliever, God. And we believe right now, Lord, that you're calling us higher Lord, that you are training us to be more like you. God, may we see you better today than we have seen you yesterday. And may we be better tomorrow than we were today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 So I got to tell you, uh, recently, um, my wife and I, we got um, blessed with, with, uh, with a timeshare. Uh, friends of ours, they, they, they couldn't use it that week. And, uh, and so they asked us if we would like to use uh, a timeshare. Anybody ever been on a timeshare before? Anybody ever used uh, one of those? So, so we didn't know what to expect. We've never actually, we're not the resort type of people. We're a young, married couple, you know. And, uh, and so we, we packed our bags and we headed over to, to Lawrence Welk Resort, which is in Escondido. And... Um, and it was a great time. We spent some time bonding. We spent some time uh, fellowshipping and just resting. And it's so interesting, though, that, like, the moment we arrived and, uh, and we put our bags, you know, we're starting to, to cross the bags from the car into the house. The phone rings. And the phone rings, and it's the guy who sells the timeshares is on the other end of the line. Now, keep in mind that I'm getting all the bags, right, being the good husband that I am. And uh, pray for Brooke. No, I'm kidding. And Brooke is on the phone, and, uh, and she's talking to this, this person. This person's like, how would you like to have three free nights on us and Pizza Hut? And my wife was like, of course, we would love that. What, what is, what's it? And they said, all you have to do <laughs> is give us an hour of your time on Friday for a tour. It will be really short, and, uh, and we won't be pushy. You know, when they tell you they're not going to do that, that means that they're probably going to do that. You know, so she asked me, and of course, I've never done this before. And I said, I said ha, suckers, I can put up with an hour of a tour I said, I'm going to get those three free nights, and it's going to be amazing. So we started, um, we had this great time. We, uh, we met this guy. I'm not going to name him because who knows? He could be here or tonight or watching online. Who knows? I don't think he goes here. But anyway, but, uh, you know, he, he's like, hey, you know, um, how would you like to, to, to visit different places in the world? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 because I'm a dreamer, you know? And so I'm like, oh, that sounds so great. And he starts telling us more. And keep in mind, I have a 10-month-old baby that I'm trying to entertain. I'm his jungle gym. So he's just crawling all over me. And at first, I'm like, you know, just I got the pastor face on, you know? I'm like, tell me more. Like, oh, yeah, you know? <laughs> 
And then, you know, after like the next 45 minutes, I'm like, hey, you know, like, how long is this thing, you know? And I got to tell you, this guy that they paired us with, like, he talked so slow, it was killing me. Like, I, I was like, I, I'm burning daylight outside right now. I got a pool reservation, you know, at 12 o'clock. And you said it's going to be an hour. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little impatient. And he goes, maybe you need to go get a refreshment. I was like, I think I do. I need to refresh my spirit. So I, I you know, <laughs> come back over. I come back, you know, and, and this tour that was supposed to be an hour ended up being three and a half hours. All the Southern California people are like, no, you didn't, you know, and, and so it was this long tour, and I got to tell you, the Lord was testing my patience. The Lord was testing my patience. How, how, many, of you, how many of you could use some more patience? I mean, if we could be honest in church today, I'm scanning the room, looking for that one hand who's not up. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, well, let's just talk for a second about what is patience. Let's define it. Let's have a working de- definition. The biblical definition of, of patience is, is pronounced macrameia, which means forbearance, fortitude, long-suffering. Um, if you don't know what forbearance means, because I don't know when the last time you've used the word forbearance in your everyday language, it, it means self-control, restraint, uh, to be tolerant. Okay, but let's look at what, like, Merriam-Webster, because that might be a little bit more easier for us to understand. Um, It means bearing pains or trials, calmly or without complaint, not hasty, steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. So I wanted to take the two of the biblical definition and some of these Merriam-Webster definitions and give us a CP working definition for today, all right? So here's our CP working definition for patient. A person... A person's willingness to remain unwavered in character, calm, and tolerant. In particular, the existence of a contrary opinion, behavior, or adversity. I'm going to repeat it again. It's on the screens for you, though, if you want to write this down. A person's willingness to remain unwavered in character. Right? They're steadfast. They're unmovable, unshakable in their character. They know who they are. They remain calm and tolerant. In particular, the existence of contrary opinion behavior, or adversity, right? And, and, and when, there's, when there's a different opinion that you don't like, can you remain unwavered? When there is a behavior that goes against what you believe, can you remain steadfast, calm, and at peace? When there is adversity, when there's a season in your life, when you feel opposition, maybe it's not a person, maybe it's a process. Maybe it's the journey from grief to healing, Right from suffering into wholeness, maybe it's and and you have to remain unwavered, calm, and full of tolerance. So, let's look at the verse one more time of the fruits of the spirit. Galatians chapter five twenty two and twenty three says this. It says, "But the Holy Spirit produces." Everybody say, "Produce." <laughs> this kind of fruit in my life: love, joy, peace, patience. There it is. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So today we're going to spend a few minutes talking about patience. And, um, and I wanted to just think for a minute. I think that if we ask just about any person, most people would say that they value patience. But the thing is, is that we pay thousands of dollars for convenience, we have an iPhone that can do anything, right, basically. I mean, my, my father-in-law literally had money stolen out of his phone as he was in line because somebody scanned his phone with his phone and pulled money. I'm like, the iPhone can do anything these days. But I want to tell you and just show you a couple of images. Let's do some throwbacks, just have fun for a second. I, I'm at that unique age right now where next year I'll be 30. And, and, you know, so I'm at this age where I'm like, I'm old enough to where, like, I remember and was actually allowed to use the Internet when it was dial-up. Okay, so, like, I'm in that fun age. So let's just look at seven things real quick of, of uh, you know, some, some throwbacks. How many of you guys remember the dial-up connection? God bless you. Okay. Um, you know, you have that weird screeching sound that it plays, you know, oh my goodness. Um, this one was, was great. How many guys remember downloading files? You know, it's like, it takes four and a half hours, even though it says four and a half minutes. That's a preacher exaggeration right there. Uh, this one was great. Uh, the old house phone. 
I, I, I particularly had to grab one that looked exactly like the one in my parents' garage. And at first I was like, how do you work this thing? But you have to put your, listen, Gen Zs and millennials, you have to put your finger in the hole and you have to twist it. And then it, if, it, if it gets stuck, you have to like MacGyver it to go back without disconnecting the numbers. Oh, geez. Um, this one we've already talked about in other messages, but Blockbuster. That's right. Blockbuster was a great time. We had one down the street from my old house. Uh, this one was awesome. How many of you guys remember VHS tapes, the coming soon previews? Oh, my gosh. Like, you... They put that in the video, right? Like it's in the VHS tape, so you have to watch them. You can't just watch the movie you want. Nowadays, we have Netflix. We just go straight to the movie. We skip all the previews because we're impatient. Um, and then we have this one, the, the, the self-help sections. Nowadays, we just Google fact everything, you know? It's like you don't even need to, to go to seminary. Just when you're listening to my message, if you don't like something I say, just Google it, you know, which half of you are going to do today. Um, and then the, the seventh thing is this one, do you like me No. Notes. Okay, on the real though, I actually was looking for the notes because you see, Brooke and I, we've been we've been together for 12 years now. So we were together before text messages was a thing. I know, I know, okay? And so I remember, I remember actually having to skateboard to another school to drop off a note that I could only get back Wednesday night after youth group. And my note looked a lot like that note. Can you put that note back up on the screen? Actually, it was like, do you like me? check this box. Do you not like me? Check this box. Maybe check this box. Okay. I don't know about you, but nowadays we just send a text. We just send some flowers. We just show up. Nowadays, things are just so different. It's so different though, isn't it? I mean, if we're having fun in church today, we, we recognize that the throwback times was a lot easier to check your patience. Nowadays, everything's so convenient that you almost have to go through a difficult conversation or a difficult season in order to see if you really have the fruit of patience. But let's talk about why is patience so important. Maybe some of us are like, hey, don't pray for patience because God knows you might actually get that prayer answered. And I want to tell you, patience is very, very important. In fact, it's so important that I would say this, God is patient. God is patient. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. But anytime you ever do a wedding or you go to a wedding ceremony, do the love passage, which is 1 Corinthians 13, and they read verse 4, and it says this, If God is love, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Love is patient. So if God is love, and 1 Corinthians tells us that love is patient, God is patient. So, so, so God is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. I love the way 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says it this way. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. How do you know that we serve a patient God, a gracious God, a merciful God, a kindness God, a God that extends grace over and over and over again? Because this is the God that we serve, a God who, who isn't just frustrated with us. It's a God who has patience for us. I love what Psalms 103 verse 8 says this, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled, filled with unfailing love. I love that. He's filled with it. He can't help himself but love you. He overflows with good things to say about you. He's so passionate about you. He has so much more patience for you than you have for yourself. God is a patient God. And since God is a patient God, here's what it also says. It says that God really calls us to be patient. Look what Romans 15 verse 5 says this way. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Jesus Christ. I love it says that, that God wants to give you patience. God wants to give you encouragement. Why? Because it is fitting for followers of Jesus. In other words, 
Jesus is, is a person who is full of patience. And if you read the ESV version or other translations, it will say the same accord of Jesus or the same mind of Christ. In other words, God's mind about you is patient thoughts. It's not just his disposition of his heart. It's the way he thinks about you. He's patient even in the way he sees you and thinks about you. And he wants us to be the same because that is fitting for followers of Christ. So there are two areas that I think we really need to focus our time today. And I'm going to kind of curate these areas. But we need to focus on two areas to practice patience in. Number one is this, being patient with people. And number two, being patient with process. So I'm going to break down what those mean. But James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, everybody shout everyone. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Even though this verse doesn't say the word patience in it, we know it is a patience verse because we have to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. You ever had to have a conversation with a difficult person? Anybody in 2020? Anybody today? Right. And, and so what do we have to do as this verse says? We need to listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. The only way you're going to get good at this is if you let the, the, the patience or the fruit of patience develop in your life. Otherwise, otherwise you're, you, you can't. You'll, you'll throw off the handles, you do different things. But difficult people can sometimes be hard to practice this with. You know, we have difficult people. If you're lazy people, inconsiderate, inconsistent, slandering, gossiping, rude. There's all kinds of different things where we, it requires patience, the fruit of patience in your life. And so we have like verses like this. Check this out. Proverbs 18 verse 2 says this. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. So you know that you have patience when you are the opposite of this verse. See, because this verse is saying basically a fool, somebody who is impatient, always speaks their mind. But how many of you know that the Bible says to take every thought captive? How many of you know that, that when we release words, James says your tongue is like a forest fire? You see, once it leaves your mouth, it's already done the damage. And so the important thing is that you don't just keep those thoughts locked up here, but instead you develop the fruit of patience so those thoughts never even develop. I love the way the NSB version says it this way. Same verse, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. I love that, right? It's, a fool will always speak his own thoughts, even if they're destructive, but I'm calling you higher in this season, church. I'm calling you as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother. I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you to practice patience in this season. We need it in this season more than any other season. We need to practice being patient. And let's look at the opposite side of this, okay? Let's look at um, what it means to practice patience in the process, okay? So when I use the word process, what I really mean is there are areas in our life that you have no control over, okay? How many of you have teenagers? <laughs> it's a process, okay? It's a season. You're going to get through it, but you can't speed up the teenager in them, okay? It's a part of the process, right? Your finances, young people or people who are in debt, listen, it's a process. If you want to grow your finances, if you want to get in a healthy place, it's going to be a process, isn't it? Right? When we look at the days of retirement, some of us are like, goodness, it's like 30 years from now. Some of us are like, it's like two years and I can't wait any longer, right? It is a process. Um, for those of you who have a business or a career, right, and, if, and it's not where you want it to be, you can't jumpstart it to get to where you want it. It's a process. There are certain things in life that it is just life. And, and God goes, hey, I'm going to develop your character as you wait during this season. And, and it isn't so much about the people. It's about the dream that I put in your heart that is such a conviction that you want it to start right now, but God says not yet. It's like Abraham and Sarah, how they had to wait for the promise of that child, right? And eventually God was faithful to give them the things that he promised them, but it's a process. 
It's a process. I'm going to give you my main point tonight is this. Be patient with people and the process by trusting in God's power. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Be patient with people and the process by trusting in God's power. Somebody that I, that I just admire so much in the word of God is the Apostle Paul. And I love the Apostle Paul because I think that there's, there's so much of what he was already working on within the early church that we're still working on today. He was light years ahead of his time. And, and I love the way that um, when Paul writes in his letters, if you've ever read um, some of the Apostle Paul's writings, you'll learn that Paul always start with, praise be to God. He always started with things like, I thank God for you, Timothy. Or, or I thank God for you, that you're a, you're a mature church. He, he always started with thankfulness, didn't he? He always started with, with gratitude. But we also know the life was not easy for the Apostle Paul, was it? Right? When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 through 7, this is my, my big passage for today. It says this, we live in such a way, this is Paul writing, that no one will stumble because of us. No one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently, everybody say patient, endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten. Anybody been beaten today? No, don't think so. We've been put in prison. Anybody been put in prison? Don't answer that. Okay. Uh, We have faced angry mobs, worked to exhausted endured sleepless nights. Okay, I'm in that boat right now. Endured sleepless nights. I got a 10-year-month-old. Okay, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. I love it that the Apostle Paul He tells us all these things. He says, hey, hey, I I know that you are going through a tough time right now, church. If Paul was here today to preach this message himself, he would say, Centerpoint, I know you've been in a difficult season. That would be an underestimated statement. He would say, "I, I know that you are doing social learning. I know that you are having to be teacher and mom. I know that you're in a season where your business is crumbling. I know you're in a time right now where you're being persecuted for your convictions. I know you're in a season right now where you feel like you're being persecuted as the church. But I'm here to tell you this. Praise be to God. I love the way that he starts. Before he even jumps into all the difficult things that he's gone to, he said, praise be to God. There's something that we have to learn about the Apostle Paul and about how he was patient. See, he always had thankfulness and gratitude. So I want to really just home in for a few minutes about how does patience and the Holy Spirit work together, okay? And and here's what I'm going to say about this. The Holy Spirit is going to strengthen you in difficult times. The Holy Spirit is going to be the counselor when you need it the most. The Holy Spirit is going to be your supply when you feel empty. The Holy Spirit is going to whisper which way you should go. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you, it's time to leave. Stop talking. You're gossiping. Hey, don't say that. Don't send that. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you. He's going to protect you. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit now more than we've ever needed the Holy Spirit, okay? And a lot of us, unfortunately, we have been so weakened in this season that we are just easily operating in our flesh, But it is so amazing how the Bible talks about God is attracted to our weakness. His grace works great in our weakness, right? I love the way that Colossians chapter 1 verse 11 writes it this way about strength, right? About the Holy Spirit says, we also pray, this is also Paul, that we will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Anybody need some joy today? (laughs) Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. I love how it says that he's praying for us to be strengthened. And where does that strength come from? The power of the Holy Spirit. See, when we become impatient people, it's a trust issue. See, because if we're trying to do it our way, are we really trusting in God's plan? 
are really trusting in the promises and the process that God has us in. There's so many times when, when I take things into my own micromanaging way and I learn that, you know what, that was, that was the wrong steps. That was the wrong way to do about that. And I really feel strongly that what we need today is we need some practical tools. Anybody love practicality? Anybody love when things get practical in messages? Okay, so I'm going to give you very quickly, I'm going to give you 10 practical tools that you can use on how to be patient. Okay, and so I understand that we are all in different seasons. We all see things very differently. Uh, we're in different life stages. Some of us have kids. Some of us don't have kids. Some of us are retired. But I think that you should be at least be able to grab a few of these and say that this one's good for me. And that's all I really care about today. I care about making sure that you are equipped today. And so I'm going to give you at least 10 things on how to be patient with people. And I think that this should hopefully apply across the board. Number one, check your gratitude. Check your gratitude. Always check your character. You know, my wife and I were having a conversation today, and, and um, this morning, I blew it. I lost my patience this morning. This morning, I woke up. We went um, to the ocean the other day, so my eyes, when I woke up this morning, were, like, burning. And I woke up, and I was like, ah! And I was like, where's the eye drops, you know? And, I, and then my dog was, was uh, shaking his ear because she had an ear infection, and so she's waking me up, and then the baby starts crying in the monitor because the dog won't stop whacking his, his ears. And I'm just like, can I just get a good night's sleep? Please, Jesus. And, 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 then, and then my wife is like, He's got a, he's, she's, uh, the baby, you know, changed the diaper, and I'm like, I, I can't do everything. You know, like, you're already at your breaking point when you start doing that. So I take his pants off of him, and I'm changing his diaper, and something else happened. I can't really remember what it was, but I remember taking his little pants, and I threw them at the ground as if somehow that was going to change me being impatient, right? I just, I grabbed those little pants that could fit in my hand, and I just threw it at the ground. And I, it was my way of saying, you see that woman? You see that, Brooke? I'm lost it today. I'm, I, I have to preach on patience tonight, and this is testing my patience. It's not a good moment for a pastor, okay? Let me tell you. But it's real, you know? And, 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 and the reality is, is that there's going to be moments when we need to check our gratitude. I'd sexing her an hour after I started writing this message and, and working on it. And I was like, babe, I'm so sorry. I blew it today. And she was like, you know, she's like, it's all good. because, you know, we didn't do married things last night. And, you know, <laughs> hey. And, uh, but, but we have to check our character, we have to check our gratitude. And so, you know, the thing is, is that we often communicate, we often communicate and say things to people who are closest to us that we wouldn't say to people that we don't know. Unfortunately, it is the people that you are really tight with, that you're really comfortable with, that you lose that gratitude. We, 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 we say things, we, we put certain tones on things, we throw little kids clothes at the carpet floor, we do things that we wouldn't do with other people because we forget to check our gratitude. Number two is this, remember people have feelings. Some of these are going to be really elementary for us today, okay? But, but the truth is, is that th that person that, that you need to check your patience with, they have a real heart, they have real feelings, um, they're going through their own things, um, and, and sometimes we just, we snap, and sometimes we lose our patience. And, and the truth is, is I think if we remember that we're, we're not dealing with a problem, we're dealing with a person. And we remember that this person has feelings. I think that we'll be more careful to be patient with people. Number three is this, manage your calendar, or your calendar will manage your character. I'm going to be honest with you. It is 2020. We have this thing called Apple calendars, okay? We have Google calendars. You have a calendar. It's an amazing feature. I'm talking to all people today. But if we overpack our calendars, we do not have margin for patience. I don't have it within me if I give myself everything here and then go home to give my wife my leftovers, and, and so what you need to do is you need to look at the seasons of the year and look at when am I normally the most busy? When am I normally, um, um, when is it normally a difficult time? And, and, and communicate that. 
and work on that and share calendars. I, I just really feel like this is a practical step, and it may not be a spiritual thing, but it is really going to help somebody. It's really going to help you if you start managing your calendar better. Because I know this, if we don't manage our calendar, your, your calendar is going to definitely manage your character. You will slip. You'll say things you shouldn't say. You'll have no patience. You'll have, you'll, you'll have no margin. You'll already come home and you have nothing left to give. And that's the worst part is that we're giving the people that matter the most, the people that you are with for the rest of your life, and we're giving them the worst of us, the worst version of us. Your kids, that it, parents, if we don't manage our calendars, and we don't make time for them. I, 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 that is the most crucial time is their teenage years. And so I'm, I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you to manage your calendar. Number four, communicate with words, not tone. Communicate with words, not tone. You know, the, the thing is, is that if we don't verbalize what's going on in our workplace, if we don't communicate how we're doing, if you don't communicate how you're spiritually doing, See, then, then, then your spouse can't read your mind. You, you, your best friend can't read your mind. Your boss can't read your mind, right? No one can read your mind. So, uh, so I'm telling you that don't communicate with a tone. Communicate with your words. Uh, uh, never underestimate what can happen if you just check in with each other. You know, and so, yeah, we, we need to make more time for these things. Number five, number five is this. Give more than you expect to receive. Give more than you expect to receive. I, I'm, I'm, I really believe this. As believers, we should be more generous. We should be more forgiving. We should be more generous with our time, our resources. We, we should be the generation. We should be the people, right, that, that give more. And not because we expect that in return, though. You know, because a lot of us, we lose patience with people who have no patience for us. But what I'm asking you to do is to give more than you expect to receive. You know, the Bible actually talks about it, that the measure you use will be the measure that you receive. When it talks about judging, it talks about not judging the log in somebody else's eye or the speck in somebody else's eye, but the log in your own. And it says the measure that you use will be the measure that you receive. See, it's God math. See, when we, when we give patience, we'll eventually receive patience. See, if I give more forgiveness, at some point, people will be more forgiving with you. And so we have to give more than we expect to receive. And not because we're doing it in a manipulative way where we're expecting somebody to give this in return, but we're doing it because he first loved us, he first forgave us, he first was merciful with us, and we don't need somebody else to do that for us. He's already done it. Ha-ha! <laughs> okay. Number six, that would have been really bad if I ripped my tight jeans. Okay, number six, start with a check-in. Start with a check-in. Never underestimate what a 30-second check-in can do. See, whether it's with your coworkers, whether it's with your teenager or your, 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 your baby girl or your baby son, never underestimate that even with your spouses. If you just take 30 seconds right when you come in, how are you doing? It's a Southern California thing that we do. We go, hey, how are you? But we don't really mean it when we say it. But if you actually would hop on that and actually take 30 seconds and say, hey, you know what? I'm actually not doing very well. Or you actually would say, hey, it's been a tough day. It's been a tough week. Or you know what? I don't feel like I'm the best version of myself today. Or you know what? I had a really hard meeting today. Or you know what? I just feel like, like we're just capped with our money right now. You know, whatever it is, if you will just communicate, even 30 seconds, the other person on the opposite end will have more patience with you. So never underestimate what a 30-second check-in can do. Okay? And, and even with your teenagers or your kids, like send them a text, hey, how you doing today? Give them the opportunity to jump on that. Never make them feel like, like you're, 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 um, like you're unaccept, uh, uh, accessible to them, right? Inaccessible to them. Always make sure they feel like, like you can make time for them, that you're there for them. My wife and I, we do this thing where every single day we're always sending checks to each other throughout the day, especially on Mondays. It's like a, a busier day for me. And so we check in every day. How are you doing? How are things? 
You doing all right? Can I do anything for you? Can I pray for you for anything? But even on the weekends, when it comes to like Saturday and Sunday, we always spend an hour of our time because it takes about an hour for both of us to do this. But we always look at how are we doing now and what does this week look like? And the reason why we do that is because we realize that if we don't communicate with words, if we don't check in with our kids, if we don't check in with each other, we're, we're realizing that, hey, we're, we're missing out on something, and then we're going to have no patience for each other. But if she knows, hey, I got this presentation, if she knows that I need to meet with this teenager, if she knows that I got to do a funeral this weekend, she's going to have more patience with me, right? And so we need to start with a check-in. Number seven, Take a Sabbath once a week. Take a Sabbath once a week. Now, now, please hear me when I say this. I also want to communicate to single mothers. I also want to communicate to, to people who don't have that other person. Sabbath doesn't mean escaping from your family. Okay, don't, don't, when the pastor says, hey, take a Sabbath, I'm not saying ditch all of your responsibilities and, and go have a great day every week, okay? No, Sabbath is a holy day. Sabbath is a set-apart day. Sabbath is a day where you worship, you pray, you spend time with God, you recharge on things that is life-giving, you do things with your family together. So take time, because if we don't, I will tell you this, other people will thank you when you start taking Sabbaths. My, my batteries recharge every Friday. You know why? Because every Friday, I got my toes in the sand at the beach, okay? The la this, during the summer, I've made it uh, just as soon as the beach is open in, in, you know, in Oceanside. On Fridays, I find myself with a good book. I find myself sitting in the sand. I'm praying. I'm worshiping. And can you imagine what it would be like? I heard this from John Mark Comer. He said this. He said, he said if we would be faithful to, to practice Sabbaths once a week, one-seventh of your life would be worship and prayer. Can you imagine if one-seventh of your entire life you could say, I worshiped and I prayed? We need to practice taking Sabbaths at least once a week. So I don't know what that looks like, but I can tell you this. If you start managing your calendar, you might be able to move things around. And I'll say this. This is a, this is a free point, but I'm going to say this, okay? Learn to say no. I'm empowering you that is okay to say no. Right. Say no to those extra obligations and things that you shouldn't be a part of because a lot of you can't take Sabbath because you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Right. And if you could just cut out the fat and just focus in on the, the things that are essential during this time, you'll have more patience, way more patience with people. Number eight is this. Different people require different leading styles. Your first kid, I don't know this to be true for myself, okay, but I'm speaking just as a, a former youth pastor. Your first kid is going to re be required to be led differently than your second kid and differently than your third kid. I, I thought about this in my own life, okay. My dad only spanked me like two or three times that I can remember, okay. I was not traumatized by being spanked, but I had a brother, and I'm not going to name him, and he was spanked all the time, okay. There was another person in my family who was a sibling that you could just look at her, and she'd start crying, okay. And then there was like me, and all you had to do was just tell me why not to do something, and usually I, I just follow suit. Every kid requires a different leading style. Every relationship, this is great relationship advice for those of you who are single, okay? Okay, the person that you dated before is not the person you're dating now, okay? They're going to require different leading styles. It's going to require different measures of patience. It's going to require you to be, uh, to be led by the Spirit, to trust in the Holy Spirit's power differently. Number nine is this. Make every effort to give the benefit of the doubt. Make every effort. And I say that Make every effort because there are certain people that you just can't trust, okay? And I want to put that in there. But make every effort to give people the benefit of the doubt. There, there's something that happens when you just say, oh, you know, they're probably not here because they hit traffic. You know that way that that person responded to you? It'd be better for you to say, you know, they're probably just having a bad day. It'd be better for you to say, you know what, they didn't respond to me. Maybe their phone died. You know, or, or, or if you hear something about someone talking about you, give the benefit of the doubt, maybe they misunderstood, right? But when we make every effort to give people the benefit of the doubt, you will last longer in your marriage, you will last longer in church, and, I, and I'm telling you from experience, there are a lot of people who don't go to church anymore, and the reason is, is because they stopped giving the benefit of the doubt. 
Somehow we have uh, this enemy that gets in our mind and gets in our thoughts and says he's the accuser of the brethren and he's going to try to divide the church. And if you will be faithful people to say, you know, I'm going to make every effort to get people to benefit the doubt. My wife and I, we have, we have chosen to live our lives based off of this principle. We will give people the benefit of the doubt even until we are proven wrong. And then we will also give them the benefit of the doubt that by God's grace they will change. We have to make every effort to give people the benefit of the doubt. And number 10 is this. Hit the reset button when necessary. How do you hit the reset button? Through prayer. So when you're empty, you need to pray faith-filled prayers. When you're tired, you need to pray, God, strengthen me prayers. When, when you feel like throwing in the towel and giving up, you need to pray prayers like you're a champion because you are more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. See, when you're fearful, you need to pray faith-filled prayers. And when you don't see it, you need to prophesy in your prayers. And when you just don't have enough, he is your source. He's the supply. He's the one who's going to see you through. He's the one we call the lifter of the head. You don't have to tolerate impatient people you have the power of the holy spirit to change hearts and people and if you would just lift your voice why don't we take 10 seconds to hit the reset button and just praise god and thank god and pray for him god you're a thankful god god you're a praiseworthy god god you're a merciful god we thank you god that even though covid has stood against us we're still standing here god you are moving you're opening up the church god you're changing things in the atmosphere god we thank you, Lord, for it. We thank you, Lord, for it. Guys, if we would just hit the reset button. And some of us, we need to hit the reset button even in mid-conversations with people. Like, like boop, we're going to reboot that real quick, okay? That didn't sit well with me. Boop, I'm going to re-hit the reset button, and I'm praying. I'm praying through it. When I have a difficult week, I need to hit the reset button. Anybody played old video game systems? You got to hit that reset button. When it, when it gets overworked, it heats up. And what happens? It gets stuck. So you got to hit the reset button. Because when we pray, when we pray, it is like God resetting us, recalibrating us, recentering us. We recharge because of prayer. And so I want to call you higher. Here's what I'm saying to you, church family, is this. Whatever your prayer life is in this season, double it. Double your prayer life in this season. We're going into election. Right, We're going into a time when, when the, even the church is divided in some issues. Right, Families are against each other. Um, you know, local business and different things, we see things differently. It is the time like now that we need to reset. We need to pray more. So whatever you would say, yeah, I pray all the time, we'll double that. Okay, I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you back to prayer. I'm calling you back to fasting. I'm calling you back to forgiveness. I'm calling you back to kindness. I'm calling you back to patience. I'm calling you back to love. I'm calling you back to joy. God is calling you right now and saying, hey, rise up. Rise up because love is God and God is patient. And so we need to be more patient with each other, especially in this season and so as the band comes up behind me, let me get ready to close. Listen, some of us today would say, you know what, this, this is a great lesson about patience. But I just feel like God doesn't have patience with me. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, I, 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 don't, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Therefore, I, why would he even have patience for me? Why would God even put his best interest in me? If I was to come inside the church building, it would probably burn up, okay? And thank God we're outside. And that's what you're probably thinking. Or maybe you're watching online today and you're saying, you know what? I, I don't know Jesus the way that this preacher is communicating about him, but I want to know this patient, merciful, gracious God. I want to know him because you know the truth is he is different than any other religion, and he is different than any other kind of God. Every other religion will say you need to work your way up to be with him. But Christianity is about God working his way down to be with us. And so what you need today is you need to receive right now the forgiveness. You need to repent. You need to turn to God and fight him into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. We're going to put one verse back up, and it's this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. One more time. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise as some people think 
No. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. I'm going to repeat that again. God is patient with you. God wants you. God sees a future that if he could use you, it would change the world. God sees a different version of you. God sees a healthy you, a whole you. God is being patient with you. See, if we had it our way, we would have cut each other off a long time ago. But God says, I see my son coming like the prodigal father who sees his son coming from the hill and he runs to him because God is being patient with us for our sake and he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God doesn't want you to go to that place. But can I tell you something? Because of God's amazing love, he will not force himself on you. He will not force himself to be your Lord. It's your choice. It's not your grandparents' choice. It's not your father's choice, your mother's choice, your sibling's choice. It's your choice. And you have a decision to make today. God's patience isn't running out on you. But I'm telling you right now, now is the time for salvation. Now is the time for healing. Now is the time for sons and daughters to rise up. Now is the day when old men will see dreams and young men will prophesy. Now is the time for salvation. So if you want to receive Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, we do something very simple here. We just want you to raise your hand. I want to identify who I'm praying with as a pastor. If you're online, you can just leave a comment and say, I'm making a choice to give my life to Jesus today. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. And let's say a prayer together right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, and I can't see everyone from the back, but I'm relying on the team for this. But if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I just want you to raise your hand. Raise it high and tall. Let me see it. Okay, I see your hand in the back. That's amazing. Wonderful. We believe that there's people even online that are giving their life to the Lord right now as they're watching this message. But if you want to receive that love that never fails and never runs out, just repeat after me and just talk to him because he's here right now. Just say, hey, Jesus, I give my life to you. I receive right now your mercy and your grace. I want your forgiveness. I want you to forgive me right now and save my life. I choose to allow you to come in, Holy Spirit, and do a work in me. Today I choose to be patient with people and the process as I trust in God's promise and his power. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said, amen, 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 amen. Very quickly, very quickly, I really felt today that what we needed to also do is we need to pray for marriages. Some of your marriage, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm, I don't know if this is, I think this is prophetic, but I, but I really sense, and probably it could be true in a room like this with so many people, but, but your marriage is hollow. Your marriage is, is, is stale. And part of the reason of this is it's not that you've been unfaithful, or maybe you have, but really it is, it is a lack of patience. And I really feel like what the Lord needs right now is if you will humble yourself, it attracts the favor of God. It, it, his anointing, his blessing, his grace, his favor will come over your marriage. But it is going to require you to be humble enough to say, you know what, I need God to do a miracle working power in this marriage. Because I made a vow before my God at an altar and said, that we will be together through sickness and health. Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, I, 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 need, to, I need some patience, you know, and, and maybe this is kind of uncomfortable for some of us, but I'm going to challenge you with this. If you don't want to get prayed for, um, if you want to get prayed for right now publicly, I'm going to ask that if you're here on site, we have our prayer team that will be over at the Black Tents after service. 
but I believe that I'm supposed to pray at least just a, just a congregational prayer for, for your marriage. And so I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for you right now in the spirit realm for your marriage. So what I want you to at least do, every husband, grab your wife's hand, okay? Every mother, I want you to grab your children's hand, you know? And we're going to pray right now for families. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a good God who looks after generation to generation to generation, four generations in a row, God. I thank you, Lord, that you have set your eyes on this couple. You've set your eyes on this single mother. You've set your eyes on this family, and you said it was good. And so, God, I ask, Lord, right now that you would bring patience, humble the hearts. I pray that they would, they would keep no record of wrong, but instead that they would forgive and they would move forward. God, you are the God who moves us from brokenness into healing. And so, God, I ask that you would start that, that, that trajectory, that journey right now in Jesus' name. I pray and I ask right now that you, to the degree that you are willing to allow, if you will allow your heart to be open right now to the Holy Spirit, I believe it will even penetrate those places in your heart that, that, are, that are, there's no feeling, there's no emotion, that you are numb. And I believe that the Holy Spirit's just going to revive your heart right now in Jesus' name. Revive right now marriages in Jesus' name. Touch husbands right now in Jesus' name. Touch mothers right now and wives in Jesus' name. I pray right now for spouses who aren't here to hear this message today. Maybe you're here by yourself. Holy Spirit, I pray you just bring conviction right now, that you would turn the heart around right now, that you would strengthen families in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for parents. If you're a parent here today and you're going through it with your teenagers and your kids, I want to pray right now. All the saints, would you just raise your voice and pray right now for families. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you said a child is a good thing. It is a blessing. It is an arrow. So right now we ask, Lord, that you would raise up sons and daughters, God, that you would call us back to be those who will raise our children in the ways of the Lord, that they will not depart, God. And I pray, Lord, for households, that it will be a house of worship. It will be a house of prayer. I pray right now to you young person who is wandering, who is alone, who is isolated, who is hollow, is numb, is in secret sin, is, is complicating suicide, uh, contemplating suicide. I call you back to life right now in Jesus' name. I call you Holy Spirit right now to turn the hearts of children back to their fathers and the hearts of fathers back to their children in Jesus' name. And I call right now the prophetic back out of you in Jesus' Jesus name I call you back to life in Jesus name and I say no to the devil I cut off every hex and spell every attack from the enemy every demonic assignment every Jezebel spirit I call it out by name and I say you have no place you have no residence in this house in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus depression fall in the name of Jesus suicide fall in the name of Jesus faith rise up right now and take your place in our house we will serve the Lord. God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. God's not finished with you. And he's not finished with your marriage. And he's not finished with your family. He will see to it. Put your trust back in the power of the Lord. Be patient with people and in the process and trust in the power of God. Amen.